Um, and welcome to the Perma Podcast. It's really great to be with you all today. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my good friend Chris Morris um, onto the podcast today. Uh, welcome, Chris. Hi, James. How are you doing? All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, just to let you know a bit about Chris, he is um, he's an author. Um, we met in a writing class. And he's just about to launch his first first book, which is called Perfectly Abnormal, Finding the Image of God in Chronic Illness. Now, um, I know Chris very well. I know this is a very um, personal story for him, something he's very passionate about. And it's a book he's been working on for quite a few years. And um, so, and it's a really important message that I think uh, we all need to hear. So that's why we're on here today. And um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, Chris. <laughs> James, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk some about this book. So tell us a bit about the book and how it came about and a bit of your own story um, relating to the book. Sure. Wow, that is a very broad question. An hour later, I'll be done. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, the, the reason that I created this book, it really is birthed out of my, my, my own story with my, with my family. My, my, my daughter is... Uh, an epileptic and high functioning autistic, and I have a seizure disorder myself. Um, and we've we've had some we had some interesting and challenging conversations with uh, pastors and other leaders in the churches that we've been in, where it was just mm, I don't mean to be negative, but it wasn't very helpful. So so I started looking for for resources that would that would start to paint a better. Uh, a better understanding of where where God is in the midst of an illness that doesn't go away, and I, <laughs> I, I kind of realized, well, there isn't a whole lot out there that that deals with this. There's there's a ton of memoirs, which are very inspiring and very helpful. Here's how God led me through this illness, mm-hmm. or here's how God was with me while I remained ill, things like that. But in terms of a a more teaching perspective or like here here's where you know here's what scripture has to say and here's here's some practical things about mm-hmm. how how we can shatter the 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 lies that we tell ourselves or the myths that other people sort of speak over us that mm-hmm. there isn't any there wasn't anything there so i i started writing this this book like you mentioned i guess probably about three years ago yeah it, it, it's when i started and then i uh you know i'm happy to say that an editor and some significant revisions later. I'm thrilled with with what I have. Um, you know, I would say that the that the core of of the book really centers around a few things. Uh, we we talk about I, I talk about why why it is those of us in the chronic illness community feel like we're we're less than enough. Like we don't measure up mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. normal looks like, and that's really where this this concept, the book title of perfectly abnormal comes from because there's this thought of well we we're, we're not like everyone else you know oh I, I have I have a seizure disorder therefore dot 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 whatever yeah um, and then I, I dive into uh, uh, eight eight myths that that we we often believe about ourselves um, either myths that that we tell ourselves or myths that others say to us uh, mm. oftentimes these are kind of, they're, they're fairly, un- it's not like most people are going, Ooh, how can I hurt Chris today? Because I know he has a seizure disorder, but, but there are things that sort of pop out of people's mouths that are, that, that are challenging. Like, I mean, my, my, my favorite one, 
I say favorite very sarcastically is we'll just pop a pill and move on already. Like, mm. okay. Like seriously, if, if I could pop up, if this was a migraine, I would know how to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, autism isn't a migraine. It's a little more complex than popping a pill. Yeah. Um, and then the last section is uh, uh, moving beyond myths into into wholeness, and this is where I really dive into sort of the yeah. So what? So there, you know, there are these myths, there are these struggles. So what do we? How do we move into a place where where, where we're not uh, fully self identifying as a as a function of that uh, of these myths or this illness? And how do we, in the context of a of a church body, move into a, a better place of knowing? how to invest essentially yeah yeah that's yeah that's wow that sounds brilliant um, I'm biased yeah I think I think see I think there's a lot of people that will need this or you know I think I mean I'm I uh, you know as you know and some of my listeners might know um, I'm epileptic as well um, mm-hmm. not to not I wouldn't say I'm to the same degree as you and your daughter, um, because I don't have seizures that often. But um, you know, I've struggled with with anxiety and with mental health issues as well. And um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, possibly on the on the mental health spectrum, um, I know what I, I kind of have an have experience of feeling like an outsider, and there is that kind of unspoken but implied concept that somehow that if you have a a chronic illness or 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 disorder or condition that somehow you are deficient um yeah um and and that even kind of perpetuates itself in churches as well which is not not healthy yeah unfortunately there's some you know a, a fairly common experience for some of the folks I've interviewed in the past, and some of the folks that are that already have already have a copy of the book as a sort of beta readers, they've been telling me that there's this there's this this terrible theology where it's like if you're if there wasn't something wrong with you, if you had more faith, if you didn't have sin, then this wouldn't happen, and it's so first century. It's so. Mm. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, archaic. Like, <laughs> archaic and mystical and like superstitious. That's it's, it's very superstitious. Like, look, my, you know, again, I'm going to point back to my own story just because it's the one I know the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter has epilepsy because there are a couple genetic mutations that she inherited from me, and it's pure. And we've had genetic testing done, and we know exactly what the genetic mutations are. So this isn't a faith thing. This isn't a spiritual thing. I'm not saying that God has nothing to do with it, but, but it's not like there's something lacking in, mm. in who my daughter is or in who we are as parents. That's kind of, that's produced this. Mm. So, so there, there's a, you know, simplistic is another word I would say like, Hey, we, we live in this really complex world. So thinking that one, <laughs> one path explains everything is, it, it is challenging. And and it, and it leaves it leaves folks feeling, mm. you know, again less than. I, one of my friends, she, uh, I'll never forget this. This is the very genesis of me realizing that 
that, that theology of illness can really mess with people. Um, I, I met her about five years after her husband died mm-hmm. from cancer. And her faith was, was a mess. She's like, I just don't believe in God. I don't trust him. I don't know what, I don't even know where he's at and what he would care about me. And I was like, well, what's up with that? Because I didn't under, I didn't know her history. I, you know, she was remarried. And I was like, this is really strange. You know, and she says to me, my my pastor told me that if I would have had more faith, my husband would have never died. And I thought I had all the faith in the world, and I guess I didn't. Oh, my man. And it just, James, it just crushed me. It made me, the combination of, like, rage and, and, and sorrow that just tears me up. Even as I think about it now, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Mm, yeah. Uh, and that's not an isolated experience. Um, a while ago, I interviewed uh, our common friend Joan Hall from 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 that same writing class. Yeah, and she walked through something very similar in in her past when her when her mother died from cancer, where one of her mom's best friends came over and said, "I'm really sad that you don't have enough faith to heal to get healed." And I'm like, "You're." There are all sorts of unchristianly words that used to describe people like that. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> that's not that's not reflective of God's love. No, it's not. Um, I yeah, stuff like that makes me really angry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, my my uh, my um, I remember my my mum was asthmatic, and she um, almost died. Well, she did die eventually, but she. But she almost died um, when I was eight years old. She had an asthma attack and almost died, and uh, but got brain damage to her short-term memory, um, which meant that she couldn't do the things she'd done before. She was, you know, she'd been a very independent um, woman, teacher, you know, successful teacher, um, but um, couldn't work, you know. And she hadn't lost it. The only thing that she'd lost was her short-term memory. Everything else. Was exactly the same yeah. as before, but people started. But people in our church started talking to her like she was stupid, you know. And uh, I remember. I remember the reason I remember this is my dad. Um, my dad got so frustrated with this that one day in church he actually like jumped to her defence and basically said, "She's not stupid. Stop talking to her like she's stupid. She just lost yeah. her short-term memory, you know." Um, there was nothing deficient about her. There's nothing wrong with her. She's not an idiot. You know, she just has something wrong with her brain, which wasn't even her fault. It was because the doctor didn't put her on a ventilator quick enough. Um, and um, so, yeah. Um, and it, it's just, yeah, it's just, when I, so when people get, when I hear pastors, of, of pastors who say those kind of things, you know, the other, the other, the other one, the old Christian one is the, uh, um, you've got unresolved sin, right? Like, like this, because, because, as if there's some people who've got all their sins sorted and everything's <laughs> like I know all my sins, I know everything I've done wrong, and I've got forgiveness for them, so I'm okay, so I'm okay with God, so He'll heal me or heal my family member, uh, and the family. Yeah. It's just, it is kind of ridiculous when you think about it, you know. Um, and when you look in, in scripture, like specifically uh, uh, the the story where where Jesus heals the the, the one man at the pool of, of Bethsaida, yeah, you know, yeah, really, let let's think about that. You know that 
whether you believe, you know, there's some argument around whether the, the, te- the, the specific verses that talk about an angel touching the water and the first person that would touch it would get healed. Whether that, that was, you know, whether that belonged in there or not, for whatever reason, there were a lot of people who were ill that were hanging out at this one place. And, mm-hmm. and Jesus didn't, he didn't do what we're sort of, what we sort of expect or what we, we think he would normally do where he heals everyone. You know, you read in like Matthew, all the sick came to him and all were healed. Jesus walked over to one dude and he healed that guy and then he walked away. That brings up so many questions. Like, well, you know, for the guy who was healed, like what, what was it about this day? Because he'd been lame for 38 years. What was it about that particular day that made it, that, that made it his day of healing? You know, if you try and put on that, those, those bad theological lenses, oh, he must have had more faith on that day than any other day. He must have just confessed his sins that day. Well, well maybe, he said, I, I, I'm saying this sarcastically, maybe, just maybe God's sovereignty and God's brilliance is a little more than we can understand. Mm. You know, and, and maybe there's more going on there. And then you think about, what about the lady that, or the guy that was maybe 10 feet away from this guy, from, from this man who was healed? What, why, didn't he, mm. why didn't Jesus heal, heal them? So it brings up all these questions around complexity. And, I, and, and really, I think it's that complexity that needs to be introduced into, into thoughts around what, you know, what illness looks like. And then we really need to lean back into this thought of, at the end of the day, we live in a busted world. And there's all sorts of things that go wrong. I, I, I mean, ha, have you looked at politics in America anytime recently? <laughs> yeah. Pretty that's busted. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'd pretty say I'd um, say that. But um, you know, regardless yeah. of where, where you are, sort of on the political spectrum, there there are things that are a little odd happening right now. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I yes. This is not. You know, so, this is not and you anything. Yeah, not you know, the, 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 the hurricane that's happening in Texas right now where hundreds of thousands of people are, are without homes, without power. I mean, you know, is God the author of that? These are questions that are not easy to answer. And, and in the same way that people get flustered, mm. every, it seems like every time there's a natural disaster, there's some pastor that goes, well, this is God's judgment. And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe, perhaps, but it's probably a little more complex than that. Yeah. And I feel like that same kind of rubric needs to be brought down to the, you know, to the, the very personal level of how do you, how, how can how can pastors, how can leaders in churches, uh, effectively minister to, involve, and invest in the lady who's in their church that has MS, that you know, or or the you know. The, 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 the person, the man who has fibromyalgia, who can only show up once a month because he's in so much pain. Mm. You know, there are so many different things, so many different avenues of, uh, so many different opportunities for, for grace and for understanding and for investing in people that are, sorry, perfectly abnormal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah, it's funny because I, when you talked about the hurricane, I was thinking of the fact that one of the reasons that people use this used to blame these things on the bad things on God and God's judgment and God's vengeance was because they didn't have the science. You know, they didn't have the science about how the weather works. You know, 
they didn't have the science of like we have now with satellites and and stuff on how storms just cook up and all that kind of thing you know we don't they didn't have that so they assumed that it was god because it was out of their control and that was the only way they could explain it so um but now we know that you know that the weather doesn't that god doesn't kind of just you know that, that god doesn't do the weather acts on a kind of there's a there's science behind weather basically we know the science behind the weather and and it's the same with illness there's science behind illness when we know it you know there's some there's some illnesses that we haven't cured yet um you know obviously cancer we haven't cured and aids and a lot of these other things even aids though we're starting to get to the point where we might be able to to cure it which is amazing if you grew up i mean i grew up in the 80s and i remember when AIDS first kind of blew up, you know, when the like the eighties was like the decade where it all exploded, and we were thought, well, we'll never, how are we ever going to cure this? This is the incurable disease, you know. And now it's, it's like interesting we, to think about it. Think about AIDS specifically because, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 you know there's there so much fear and misunderstanding. Like, oh no, I don't want anyone to touch me because I might get it. Yeah, um, very specifically. Um, yeah. So you know, there, there is a you know that that's an interesting sort of corollary, if you will, um, because we have now so many. You know, there, there are all sorts of psychosomatic illnesses, or yeah. you know, uh, or illnesses that are complex in the way that they they arise. You know, fibromyalgia is sort of a good example. Um, not to you know, um, there, there isn't a clear like since A happened, then B fibromyalgia. And even in the even in the physician community, you know, I, I have I have friends who who have fibromyalgia who've been told, "Hey, it's all in your head. Just suck it up." Oh yeah, yeah. And they're like, "I, I can't have get out that." Too. Yeah. I have what do you mean, that. suck it up? Um. Yeah, I have friends with yeah that kind of illness, the same issue. Um, it happens yeah. over here in the UK that it's just not acknowledged. Even by a lot of, by a lot of people, and it's it's not acceptable really, because it's clearly real, you know, um, and um, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah, um, part of my heart in writing this book is my my I one hundred percent believe that 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 the church and those who claim Christ should should take the lead in being the uh, you know in, in demonstrating how to sort of interact and love and accept and encourage and, and, and grow with those of us in the chronic illness community rather than, um, rather than bring out, rather than there not being a distinction, if you will, between how, mm. how the church and how everyone else interacts. And I've learned that a lot of times it's, it's really just lack of knowledge. Yeah. You know, like that there's, there's discomfort from someone, you know, we, I'm sure you'll understand this. You know, if you, when you mention to someone, I have epilepsy, there's this awkwardness. Yeah. Like, uh, like, well, can we still get a soda? Yeah. What does it have to do with anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so it. It's just comfort because uh, there's not, there's not awareness. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I'm having to deal with, I'm having to, I, I, I think that I have, that I may be, um, I have I may have very mild Asperger's. You know, my sister works has worked in mental health for years. Um, mm-hmm. She knows me probably better than anybody else and seen me up close. 
she recognises a lot of the symptoms. Other people have recognised... And literally, you wouldn't notice them unless you saw me all the time. It's so okay. mild that you wouldn't even... It doesn't... Yeah, it wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it, you know. And I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with telling people about it because um, I don't want people to think... Treat, I don't want people to treat me differently. I don't want people to talk down to me. I don't want people to treat me like I'm stupid. Yeah. I don't want people to think yeah. that I'm... That, I don't want my work to be somehow devalued because I might have this thing in my brain, which is none, totally out of my control. You know, um, the doctors won't even, but the doctors won't even diagnose it. They won't, they won't do, let me do the test for it. You know, um, you know, I told, I, I, you know, I've actually been in therapy, well, therapy, spiritual direction slash therapy, because they're a trained therapist and a spiritual director as well. So, it's kind of both at the same time. Um, I've been doing that for about 18 months and I've, I've had counselling over the years and I've had, uh, I've done cognitive behavioural therapy, therapy, you know, um, and all of it's made a huge difference um, and I don't need a diagnosis but at all, but it would be, probably be useful. Um, um, but the, but the yeah, point is that it's still difficult for me to talk about it because I don't want to be treated differently and it should, and that stigma shouldn't be there in the first place. You shouldn't have any problem with talking about something which which is just it's not even something wrong with us it's something that's just different about how our brains are like I'm a highly sensitive person you know that's not something that I choose it's something my brain does and it's not and it's not doesn't make me any it doesn't make me deficient and it doesn't mean that I have to adapt myself to everybody else it means that we both have to move towards each other you know as in I have to try and learn to not react to being offended by things and they have to learn that I get offended by things more easily you know it's like just good being a good friend you know I, I totally understand what you're saying I, one of my close friends she also has um, a fairly significant epilepsy mm. and she and I have had legitimate conversations around like what when and how do you tell people that you've met that you have this condition mm. She's like, I don't, like, it, it's a big decision for me, she told me, to, to dialogue with anyone about this at all. Because then all, all of these bizarre questions and all of this awkwardness and all of these apologies for no reason mm. come up because they're worried that I'm going to get hurt or offended by something they say. She said it totally changes the dynamic of the relationship that she has with someone. Mm. And like she said to me, I'm, there are certain people where I really like, I hope that I never have a seizure around them because I think they'll freak out and I'll lose a friend. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a, you know, that's a bummer. That's not even the right word. That's It's sad and it's yeah. disappointing. And, uh, you know, it, it, my, my hope is to begin to open a dialogue with this book around how you know, it doesn't have to be that way. That they, that we can, we can treat, we can begin to interact with people who have chronic illnesses. Just that that's a, a part of who they are. In the same way that I wear glasses and I have blue eyes. Oh, and I also have a seizure disorder. Oh, okay. You know, and again, it's in that process of, you know, learning who someone is and learning how to interact with them. Like when you were talking about being a, a highly sensitive person, it should be in that same. That same kind of approach. Yeah, I'm hopeful that as as word gets out about 
perfectly abnormal that that'll be the case and we'll begin to see some of those conversations yeah i hope so yeah i'm really excited to see this book go out to people because i think it's a much needed book and people will want to read it and it will kickstart a conversation that's much needed so um so what did you what did you learn in the process of writing the book researching and writing the book that's a great question you know i i think that the first like the very opening thing that i learned is i i i I put i put together what i call a, a highly informal uh survey or set of interviews where i I literally posted up on Facebook uh, through SurveyMonkey like a 12 or 15 question uh, questionnaire just trying to gauge people's understanding of interest in and value for the idea of uh, where they they are with chronic illness. And some of the things that I learned were that there's a a wild level of discomfort for those who are uh, who are not in the chronic illness community that I wasn't I just wasn't aware of that. Like there, there, there's a lot of fear of the unknown. That 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 really informed a lot of what I was what I was writing as I considered this book. Um, I, I was surprised how how similar people's experiences were uh, within the chronic illness community. You know, I've, I've talked with in the process of, of writing this this book because I didn't want it to be just. A memoir of the Morris family. I talked with probably 40, 50 other people. Um, some of their stories are directly in this book. Others are, are, are not, but they're still sort of informing what I wrote. You know, wh- whether it's depression or anxiety or epilepsy or heart disease or obesity or, you know, name fibromyalgia, I probably talk with people with about 15 different conditions mm. um, and their experiences were almost identical, you know, where, where the, the, these, these thought processes that we have around, you know, like the, the, the first myth that I talk about is it's your fault. Every person I spoke to said that they feel, well, of course it's my fault. Whether it's the, whether it's a kind of, God-oriented or not, there's this, well, if I was better, if I was more in control, if I was stronger, if I was more mature, if I was something, fill in the blank, then this wouldn't be an issue in my life. And and, and that specifically really, um, you know, it, it creates this sense of of uh, paralysis when it comes to personal growth. And I, I sort of thought that was a me thing. <laughs> I was very happy to find out in a sense. I know that sound, this sounds terrible. I'm happy that other people were stuck, but and I don't mean it that way. But yeah, but it, obviously, but. it was the commonality of the experiences across everyone in the special needs or chronic illness community was astounding to me. It really was. Um, that would be the thing that popped up at the most. Wow. It gave me a lot of courage to continue to write because it wasn't just me dealing with my own issues and trying to convince people that my issues were theirs. Yeah. That's great. That's so great. So what would be the one thing that you would want people to take away from reading this book? I, I think my biggest hope is that 
you know, what, what people reading this book would realize that just because someone has a, a, a chronic illness, that, that they're not broken, they're not busted, there's nothing wrong with them. God didn't, God didn't make a mistake or take a left when he should have t- taken a right, but that, that, that we're all beautiful reflections of the creativity and the goodness of God. Even if we don't fit into the quote-unquote normal package, mm. so to speak, that, that we're all, again, going back to the title of the book, perfectly abnormal. Yeah. We can have a good conversation about how everyone, you know, everyone else's abnormalities, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's brilliant. That is so good. Um, so where can people get hold of this book and when's it coming out? The, the book releases on uh, September nineteenth. Right. It'll it'll be available on uh, it'll be available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, iBooks. Awesome. Um, yeah, all the all the major retailers. I'm super excited to get this out, and I can't wait to begin to hear the stories of how it it's impacting people. Awesome. So go and get this book. Uh, I will be. Um, it's uh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm so excited for you personally as well because I know how much you've put into this and how how long you've worked on it and how much of your heart is in this book. So um, please do read this, everyone. And uh, this is such an important message. Thank you for coming on today, Chris. It's been so good talking to you. Thanks for having me, James. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Okay, everyone. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, take care, and I'll talk to you soon.